2: This is Bet Center on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: Welcome in to the VSIN Bet Center. I'm Brady Cannon along with Adam Burke from the fabulous Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas, Nevada. On a Friday night, Adam, a Friday night in Las Vegas in September, we've got college football, pro football, baseball pennant races. Who's got it better than us, buddy? Nobody.
4: Absolutely nobody. I'm happy to be here. It's great to be on with you, Brady.
3: Absolutely. And college football kicked off on Friday night with a couple of games. Louisville was hosting the Florida, or excuse me, the Central Florida Knights. Both teams came in at 2-0 for Central Florida and 1-1 for the Louisville Cardinal. And the Louisville Cardinals were catching seven points at home from the Knights of Central Florida. And Central Florida had two good wins coming in. Over Boise State, Louisville, as I mentioned, coming in at 1-1, one and one. and what a wild affair, Adam. This was absolutely back and forth. There was 11 touchdowns scored in this game. Pretty good red zone efficiency, no field goals kicked here, and then a wild ending, a pick six with 13 seconds to go. And now Gus Malzahn and his uh, Knights of Central Florida and the Louisville Cardinals are both 2-1 and one when the dust settles.
4: Yeah, you know, UCF's a team I was high on coming into this season. I thought that Melzahn was a massive, massive upgrade over Josh Heupel, who's, of course, now at Tennessee. Uh, You know, a little bit surprised to see this outcome. Maybe not so surprised to see all the points scored in this game, though. Louisville's offense, look, Scott Satterfield did very well, of course, at Appalachian State. Louisville's got some talent. Maybe defensively they struggle a little bit. But a back-and-forth game here, as you said, and it looked not really a big surprise to see UCF lighting up the scoreboard. So, What I'm really curious to see is, as you mentioned, a lot of red zone efficiency in this game. What are the totals come out next week for these two teams? Are they going to be inflated a little bit based on some recency bias from this game?
3: Yeah, the total was 67 or 67 and a half. It goes seven points or excuse me, 10 points over that falling on 77. We'll be with you here for the next three hours talking college football, previewing the Saturday card on the college gridiron as well as nfl sunday i mentioned baseball pennant races we'll touch on those as well coming up shortly dan Saley will join us a friend of the network you hear quite often during college football season and you can follow him on twitter at BadBeatBros. bros we'll find out what some of his best plays for college football saturday are and just wrapping up moments ago we had a big 10 clash in Champaign, Illinois, between the Fighting Illini and the Terrapins of Maryland. This was Illinois' fourth game. Of course, they won that opener against Nebraska. They fall to UTSA. They really got manhandled by Virginia. And then they meet up with the Terps here, who were 2-0 and on their young season. And Maryland came in as a road favorite, like Nebraska did. Illinois kept this one close. But the Terps, with a couple of scores late, get the victory.
4: Yeah, you know, a little bit of drama late in this game, but much less exciting than the other game that we just talked about. I know Tim Murray and Sean King had a lot of fun kind of live watching this one with both of those guys having Illinois plus the points. Uh, Look, you know, I mean, this is kind of what I would expect to see from these two teams. I don't think Maryland's very good. I don't think Illinois is very good. So a sloppy game on a Friday night, a little bit of a short week here, of course. This one flies way, way under the total, too. So that gives you a really good idea just how messy this game was offensively for both of these teams
3: i think a pretty good win for maryland they're now three and zero. that's a conference win for them uh they also had one on the road at uh northwestern i believe earlier in the year and then illinois i think you can tack that up as a bad loss just the one win over nebraska and they really had that game in hand they were leading with about three minutes to go by a touchdown and Tangavaloa. Drove the Terps down to the field for a touchdown and then uh, got the ball back late in the game and kicked a field goal for the winner.
4: Yeah, you know, anytime you get a road win in conference play, it's a good thing, especially for a team like Maryland that's really trying to build that program up a little bit here. And you know, hey, anytime you get that road win, especially on a Friday night, that's definitely something to build off of. So we'll see what the Terps do going forward.
3: And I correct myself. It was Michigan State that beat Northwestern on the road. Uh, Maryland got a win earlier in the season over West Virginia. Let's talk about some of the games coming up on Saturday and there's a big one in the swamp, Adam. Uh, My son will be there. I'm excited for him. The Florida Gators, the 11th ranked team in the country, will be hosting the number one team in the country, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Alabama comes in as a 14 and a half point favorite. I've even seen some 14s out there and this game opened as high as 16. There's really been a lot of sharp opinions that I've heard throughout the week. Backing the Florida Gators here, our own Kenny White, uh, who comes on the network quite a bit. I know he gave out Florida at plus 16, and I've heard some other people jumping on the Gators here. Now, if you recall the SEC championship last year, Alabama won that game 52-46. to But I really felt like that game really wasn't that close. It felt like Alabama was up by two scores the entire time, and Florida's defense was never going to be able to get a stop.
4: And that's what you worry about in this game for Florida as well. You know, is their defense going to be able to get off the field? Of course, last year, Florida with Kyle Trask. This year, they've got Emery Jones. And and look, Anthony Richardson's been a dynamic player, but he was a little bit hobbled at the end of Florida's game last week. And that's something that you do want to pay attention to here as we get closer to kickoff for this one. I think the question is, if Richardson is healthy, does Dan Mullen stick with Emory Jones here? Does he go ahead and give the reins of the team to Richardson? Because the reality is, is, as we just talked about with regards to the SEC championship game, you have to outscore Alabama to beat Alabama. You're not winning a 17-14 game. You're not winning a 24-21 game. You have to get some breaks, win a game that's in the you know, upper 30s, low 40s, something like that. Is Emory Jones that guy? Probably not. Could Richardson be that guy? Maybe. The one thing that's worrisome for Alabama's defense here is the two leading rushers for Florida are the two quarterbacks, and by a large margin. So there is some improvisation for this Florida offense. Is Alabama going to be disciplined? Are they going to you know, go in the right tackling lanes and all of that? I think that's a big question here. So we've seen some sharp money on the over in this game as well, and that's the way that I would tend to look.
3: Yeah, we've seen the total move quite a bit. Opened up at 54.5, and now I'm seeing as high as 60, and it may get higher. You look at the SEC championship game last year. What is that? 98 points put up on the board. Between these two squads, they will get after it in Gainesville on Saturday. and you talk about how Dan Mullen is going to manage the two quarterbacks, Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson. I really think he's going to use them both again and I would I would you talk about Richardson's health if he is healthy, I think he's going to use him even more. I mean, I, maybe it's a 60-40 split between these two guys against Alabama because that would be a wrinkle that maybe the Crimson tide can't handle
4: right. I think that's absolutely the way that you have to look at it here if you're Dan Mullen. And again, I mean, you're a two-touchdown dog at home. So, you know, why not kind of pull out some tricks, pull out all the stops, see what you can actually do here to really give Alabama a scare and you know, maybe a turnover bounces your way, something like that. And all of a sudden, this becomes a very close game for them or a game that they could even win. So I think it's a really astute point by you that maybe we do see some more of Richardson here, assuming that he is fully healthy because... The reality is he gives them the best chance of competing in this game, I think. I think you're right. Jones already has four interceptions. Does he really?
3: I didn't know that. Richardson reminds me of Cam Newton when Mm -hmm. he was at Auburn. I mean, he just has a similar build, the way he can run and throw the ball. Dan Mullen, by the way, 0 for 10 against Nick Saban 0-9 when he was at Mississippi State and 0-1 at Florida. Here's a little fun fact for you, Adam. The last national champion, the defending national champion and number one-ranked team in the world, or excuse me, in the country to go to Gainesville back in 2002 was the Miami Hurricanes, and they were two-point dogs to the Florida Gators. They won that game, did Miami 41-16. to
4: <laughs> That is quite a stat there. Again, going back to 2002 for that one. You know, look, I mean, I think that Florida is is such an athletically talented team and they've got those quarterbacks that can put a scare in Alabama, guys that we've seen do it in the past, guys that are those dual threat types of players. I think this game has a lot of live betting opportunities in it as well. Once we see how much Richardson's being used, once we see you know if Jones is able to take care of the football, play with some composure. A lot of live betting chances in this one i think too
3: let's go to a matchup that will also take place on saturday evening and this should be a thriller it is number 10 penn state hosting number 22 auburn and no auburn football team has played a big 10 road game since 1931. that is absolutely amazing they haven't beaten a top 10 team auburn on the road since 2014 but the offense has really been cooking for the tigers along with new head coach Brian Harson making some waves there on a national scale. They uh, lead the country with 112 points amassed through the first two weeks due to the Auburn Tigers, 1,151 yards gained. Now, obviously, this is their first real test, taking on the Nittany Lions, and this club has been hot out of the gate. They get a win over Wisconsin on the road, and they blow out a pretty good Ball State team last week. So, the Nittany Lions are the favorite in this game, but Auburn has been seeing a little bit of the money here. Penn State currently a five-point favorite with a total of 53, and it's whiteout night in Happy Valley.
4: It is whiteout night, and there's a lot to unpack for this game, Brady. You know, a lot of the people that I talk to, a lot of people whose opinions I respect, they say a whiteout in Happy Valley is four to four and a half points of home field advantage. Wow. So with this line at five, mm-hmm. it implies that these two teams, you know, would be kind of a, a close to a pick em in a neutral field situation. I don't know if that's true i mean for auburn here look 9.85 yards per play you rattled off some of the other great offensive stats they've had they've also played akron and alabama state right and penn state is obviously a much different caliber of opponent but something else i think is a really interesting talking point for this game i don't think james franklin is a good in-game coach at all whatsoever for penn state they've had chances to beat ohio state they've squandered those what does brian harson look like here relative to james franklin does one guy outcoach the other are better decisions made in some of those key third down situations, You know, going forward on fourth down, stuff like that. That's what I really want to see here. So my number is a little bit higher on Penn State. I'm kind of more up around a touchdown with my power ratings, but I think there's a lot to unpack about this game that to me makes it difficult to bet.
3: The Penn State Nittany Lions have lost five straight games to SEC opponents, and that dates back to 2010. You talk about the uh, home field advantage in whiteout games. Interestingly enough, Penn State is 8-8, eight and eight. And even 500 record in whiteout games.
4: Yeah, I mean, how many of those came against Ohio State? How many of those came against, you know, Michigan team when they were a lot better than they are now? Uh, you know, those are kind of the questions. I think we need a little bit more context for that stat. But again, a real interesting one here where you've got Brian Harson with his first real litmus test as the head coach here. We'll see if it was a good hire.
3: You know, I didn't really know if he was going to have a lot of success there in Auburn. But so far, so good. You mentioned he's played Akron and Alabama State. We'll get the real test here against Penn State on Saturday night in Happy Valley. But uh, Brian Harsom, impressive so far for the Auburn Tigers as their new head coach, taking over for Gus Malzahn, who just lost a tough one, his first loss of the year earlier tonight for Central Florida. We'll take a look at Arizona State visiting BYU in Provo when we come back. More college football here on the VEASAN Bet Center at the Sports Betting Network.
0: If you dare.
2: This is Bet Center on vSend, the Sports Betting Network.
3: Welcome back to the vSend Bet Center. Brady Cannon and Adam Burke with you on a Friday night in Las Vegas from the Circa Resort and Casino. Talking a little college football, and nobody better to bring on than our friend Dan Saley, a friend of the network. You'll hear him quite a bit during college football season on our airwaves, and you can follow him on Twitter at Bad Beat Bros. It's his time of year. Dan, welcome to the program. I know you've been busy and loving college football early in the season, into week three. Call it maybe week three and a half right now. But I want to get right to the schedule. An early game in, uh, in Miami at Coral Gables with the Hurricanes hosting the Michigan State Spartans. And Miami, of course, they lose their opener to Alabama. And they barely escape with a win over Appalachian State, a little close for comfort for the Hurricanes last week, but it's been a good start for Mel Tucker and the Michigan State Spartans. The offense has really been humming. They got a win on the road in conference at Northwestern, but they are an underdog in South Florida today, or excuse me, on Saturday. Miami laying about six and a half points. Do you have an opinion on this one, Dan?
2: Hey, Brady. Thanks for having me. I got to tell you, I love college football. There's nothing better, and (laughs) I, I do have an opinion. Uh, Michigan State vastly improved from last year. Uh, before the first game, I actually was on VEASAN, and I called for the Spartans that had an outright upset against North- Northwestern, and they did, and they did it convincingly. Uh, they do have a run-heavy offense with Kenneth Walker. He's been averaging 10 yards of carry. They have big plays in the passing game with Jaden Reed. He's averaging 27.2 yards of catch. Ex- uh, excellent, efficient QB play from Peyton Thorne. That's Michigan State right now. They're a good team. Miami, as you said, they have not been as impressive. You can forgive them for getting wrecked by Bama, but I think I needed to see a much better effort versus Appalachian State. They were lucky to win that game. Something's just not quite right with them. The running game looks weak, 3.54 yards a carry. They're only averaging 4.64 yards per play, and they're only converting 36.67% on third down. Conversely, they're giving up 48.39% on on third downs on defense. Uh, if you can get the Spartans plus seven, I like them to go in there. Matter of fact, I would not be shocked if they pulled the outright upset.
4: Dan, I want to ask you here about this Nebraska and Oklahoma game. And, you know, this is one where these two teams have kind of been trying to play, or at least Oklahoma has been trying to play Nebraska for a while. And Nebraska has kind of been on the fence about that one. But a big number here with Oklahoma, 22 and a half point favorite in this game. Are you going to play on this one? How are you seeing it?
2: After that colossal disaster opening game, Nebraska has actually quietly played much better. But, but this is what they do. They lull you into this believing that they can compete when, when your money is on the line. My quarterback, Adrian Martinez, he's been putting up respectable passing numbers. He's leading his team in rushing. But again, this is what he does. This is his fourth year. I honestly don't think he has ever improved. I, I have to say, I, it, sometimes you, you get caught with a team and, and you just can't win no matter what. I think if I bet Nebraska, Oklahoma would blow them out. If I, if I bet Oklahoma, Nebraska would somehow cover. So I actually am going to stay away from the game and probably uh, it'll be uh, delayed by lightning. They won't even play it since I'm not involved. It's just one of those games I just can't touch.
3: <laughs> uh, Dan, let's move to uh, a couple of marquee games on the schedule for Saturday. Adam and I were just talking about the Florida Gators hosting the national ta- uh, defending national champion Alabama Crimson Tide. And they come in as double digit favorites. They opened as 16 point favorites. And actually, some money's been coming in on the Gators down to 14 or 14 and a half now. And there's been quite a bit of movement on the total. Opened at 54 and a half and now to 60, and maybe pushing 60 and a half or 61 by game time. What are your thoughts on the Crimson Tide and the Gators down on the swamp?
2: Well, this one, I'll tell you what, this is the one I think I've been waiting for the most for this week. But let me correct you, Brady. It actually opened. it opened at uh, 15, and Florida backers actually threw a lot of money at it, and it bounced down to 13. That's where I jumped in and grabbed Bama minus 13. By the end of Sunday, it was, it was up to 16, and then it kind of backed down a little bit. Now we have that 15, 14-and-a-half kind of number. Uh, I think Alabama, they're, they're stellar. They're just a step above. Dan Mullen, the coach for Florida, he knows this. He's 0-10 straight up versus Bama. However, the injuries to Alabama's linebacking crew is a cause for concern. Chris Allen, he's out for the season, but Will Anderson, that's, he's the difference maker. And if, if he's having trouble, that, that, could, that could make waves for, for Florida to make some, uh, some inroads against Bama. Anthony Richardson, the quarterback, he's big, six foot four, 230. He runs like DK Metcalf, but he pulled the hammy in the last touchdown run he had. Uh, he should be the starting uh, quarterback, but he's not. And, and I have to say, I think Re- Richardson and Emory Jones, the other quarterback, they are similar in style. And I think Bama can actually count for them because they are so similar. I do think Bama's going to uh, give them a really good game. I think Florida maybe keeps it interesting for the first half. But I think uh, by the end of the game, you're like, wait a minute, Alabama won by 20 again? Wow, okay. Thought it was closer, but that's what's going to happen. And what do you think about
4: the total for this game? We've seen a pretty big move on the over in this one and you know the status of Richardson probably it seems like is in pretty good shape given that we have seen money on the over here where Emory Jones is not really a guy that's beloved out there in the investment community. What do you think about the total now that we're up to 60?
2: Actually, I think the under is probably the smarter play. I'm not I'm not taking that action myself, but I think Nick Saban is quite angry with his team. I think he laid into him after the Mercer game. I know he was upset after the Miami game. He thought the players didn't finish. You better believe that that Alabama team is going to be dialed in. and They're going into the swamp for the first time since 2011. Okay. I don't think Florida quite has the horses yet to keep up. So I'm looking for something probably under that number
3: and let's move to the big one in Happy Valley on Saturday night and that'll be the 10th ranked floor our Penn State Nittany Lions taking on Auburn the 22nd ranked Auburn Tigers their new coach Brian Harson off to a great start offensively with his new club and his new home in the SEC. Now, this is quite a matchup where we haven't seen Auburn travel to a Big Ten road game in about 100 years, it seems. Um, what do you think about this game? Auburn has seen a little money come in. It's currently at five in favor of Penn State with a total of 53.
2: This game's also super exciting. I, I can't wait for this to it kick off. You know, Bonex has finally been looking better. But the question is, is has he improved on the road? Uh, We're going to find that out. The running game for Auburn is excellent. Tank Bigsby averaging 10 yards a carry. Jarquez Hunter averaging 15.1 yards a carry. Now, yes, this is against inferior competition. But Auburn's offensive line, they're, they're averaging 330 pounds plus. And the problem for Penn State is they have a smaller defensive line. They're very quick, but they might get swallowed up by some of these Auburn monsters. I look back at the Penn State-Wisconsin game, and I feel like they needed a lot of help to beat Wisconsin. Uh, The game actually opened at 7, so I jumped there, Auburn plus 7, which I thought was the correct play. Now that it's back down, I I wouldn't be necessarily uh, pushing that. I think Penn State is probably the slightly better team, but if you don't have a a very good number, so if you don't have Penn State minus 3 or less or Auburn plus 7, I don't know if you necessarily want to get involved. Boy, as a, and also, as a... I want to point out. Go ahead. All right, I wanted to point out this is a whiteout game, which everyone's talking about, and it's a, a fabulous uh, thing to to witness. I don't think Auburn is going to be wowed as much because they routinely play at places like LSU and Bama. And I heard an interesting fact. I'm not sure of this. I heard Penn State is six and six in whiteout games.
3: Eight and eight. Yeah, eight eight and eight. Five hundred oh, record.
2: Wow. There you go.
4: Well, as an Akron Zip alum, I think it's very kind to call them inferior competition because there are a lot of other adjectives I could use to describe them. But the one thing I want to ask you about here, Auburn does have really good numbers, obviously, against Akron and Alabama State here. What about them stepping up and playing their first real big test? I mean, I think that's something early season we have to worry about a lot. Is that something that concerns you here for Auburn stepping up, playing against a legitimate opponent with a pulse? Or do you think that that's something where Auburn will just continue to have the success they've been having?
2: It it does concern me because I think Penn State is a really, really good team. But I always look at the the talent disparity that sometimes exists between the SEC and other conferences, and let's just face it, unless you're playing the top tier, and Penn State is that top tier, don't get me wrong, but Auburn is still getting those four- and five-star athletes. They still have that raw talent. It's still early in the season where teams haven't quite refined the way that they're uh, uh, being efficient on offense uh, and whatnot. Sometimes the – the raw talent wins out, especially those first few weeks of the season. So I, I do think Auburn has a pretty good shot to win this if, if things go their way.
3: Dan, are you a little bit surprised by the early success of Brian Harson in his new role there with the Auburn Tigers? I thought a lot of people didn't really, weren't so sure about this hire replacing Gus Malzahn, but so far it's been so good for Coach Harson.
2: I think he has a different uh, way about him than, than Gus Malzahn did. And I think it's, It's proved to be fresh. Sometimes all you need is that uh, change of pace, you know, change of uh, philosophy or change of being around the guys in the locker room. And I know uh, Gus Malzahn was wound pretty tight when he was in Auburn. He felt a lot of the pressure. I think Harson comes in there with a pretty good pedigree. And I think he's kind of throwing uh, caution to the wind. He's, He's thinking, let's go get it. You know, let's go see what we can do. And uh, I think they really took the the handcuffs off Auburn because they really went after those first two teams, even though they were, as you said, lesser competition.
3: All right, Mr. Saley. well, we will keep you around for another segment. We'll kick off the next segment with your look at Arizona State and BYU, and then we'll get into some of your plays for Saturday on the College Gridiron. We'll be right back on the VEASAN Bet Center.
2: This is Bet Center on VSIN, the sports betting network.
3: This football season, your best sports betting season ever. Start your VSIN free trial today to get full access to our sports betting experts, including 24 7 video streaming, daily best bet emails, betting splits with the money and ticket percentages on every game, plus full access to to VSIN.com Data and Analysis. You get everything VSIN has to offer for only $22 per month. Sign up now at VSIN.com slash subscribe. Brady Cannon and Adam Burke with you inside the VSIN Bet Center from the Circa Resort and Casino, continuing our college football conversation with our friend Dan Saley. You can follow him on Twitter at BadBeatBros. And Dan, I want to get to your plays as well. I know you have a few to get to, but I want to see if you have an opinion on a very interesting game that I'm looking forward to watching, and that is in Provo, Utah, where the BYU Cougars will host the Arizona State Sun Devils, and they renew a longtime relationship. Arizona State leads this series 20-7, and the Cougars, meanwhile, will be looking to make it three straight wins over Pac-12 teams. They beat Arizona right here in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium, and last week they uh, broke a nine-game losing streak to Utah in the Holy War, And now they get the boys from Tempe coming to town. The Sun Devils up to a three and a half point favorite. Dan, I've seen some fours pop as well. What are your thoughts on this one?
2: Well, exactly right. The Holy War, BYU finally gets the monkey off their back and they win that game. And that is what concerns me. Are they going to have a letdown emotionally after that big of a win? Uh, Quarterback Jaron Hall, uh, he looks like the real deal. That kid has wheels. The BYU defense. They've been stingy. Arizona State, they've looked really kind of sleepy the first two games. They were only up 14-10 to at half versus UNLV last week. Uh, I was kind of surprised that the line moved towards Arizona State. When it opened, it was uh, Arizona State minus two. And I took BYU plus two at the open because I thought this game would flip. And uh, by game time, I was hoping to get Arizona State plus three, try to middle it. Uh, I will say this. Whenever I doubt BYU, I get burned. Uh, I had Utah. It was completely wrong. So getting points at home for BYU, I think, is the way it should go. I I have Utah and Arizona State very close in power rating. And seeing what they've done already to Pac-12 competition, you're exactly right. Why not take a chance on BYU getting points at home? I think it's three and a half now, maybe four. Why not?
4: Yeah, and this is a game where the total kind of interests me as well. And I'm actually sort of looking to go over the total because I think you've got a couple of really dynamic quarterbacks here and Jaden Daniels and then also Jaron Hall and also a couple quarterbacks that have taken good care of the football so far this season. And Daniels is a guy that's mostly taking good care of the football throughout his career. Any thoughts on the total of 50 and a half?
2: You know, I, I was a bit surprised at, at that total. I, I thought it would I thought it would not go down and it started at, it opened at 53 and a half. And so I think people are looking at uh, a strong defense on both sides, but uh, I don't really necessarily see that, that happening. I think we've got maybe a 28, 25 type of game and maybe just squeak over the total, but I am not involved on, on that.
3: All right, Dan, let's get, some, uh, get to some of your top plays for Saturday. And we will start with Liberty at Old Dominion, the Flames at the Monarchs. And Hugh Freeze has really done a great job with this Liberty program the last couple of seasons. And unfortunately for ODU, Taylor Heineke, he plays for the NFL team in the era, the Washington football team. But uh, the Liberty Flames are laying a bunch of points here, and I take it you're going that direction.
2: You know, sometimes don't make it tougher than it is. Liberty, they've covered 10 straight games by an average of nine and a half points per game. Coach Hugh Freeze, 66-35-1 against the spread, the best in the country. Old Dominion, they lost by 31 versus Wake Forest. I have Wake Forest and Liberty right about equal. And I, I look at that and I think, okay, well, will they get up by a lot of scores and they'll let off the gas? You know, a lot of people want Malik Willis to be a dark horse Heisman candidate. He needs to rack up some stats against weak competition. To me, this is just an easy hit. Liberty is going
4: to trounce them. Fading Old Dominion there from Conference USA, of course, a team that didn't play a single game last year during the COVID season. Speaking of Conference USA here, you know, you're taking a look at a team in Marshall that you know has a new first-year head coach, and they're taking on East Carolina, a team that had a chance last week to knock off South Carolina, but a very sloppy game, turnovers both ways, a game that did come down to the wire pretty much what are you thinking about this east carolina and marshall matchup
2: well let me tell you the conference usa is an interesting one and i, and I gotta just say this uh my friend the great rich velez he loves louisiana tech tomorrow and i would have chosen this as a play because i really loved it when i was 14 but he still likes it at plus 10 and a half versus smu for everybody that's uh, interested but marshall they looked really good they have played inferior competition Grant is hitting close to 70% on his passes. The running game, 4.8 to carry. They already have 12 sacks on defense after just two games. And like you mentioned, East, you know, East Carolina, they've played two tough games versus good competition, or at least better competition. They looked out of sorts versus App State. They scored their last 10 points in garbage time, and I think they really put it all on the field against South Carolina. And that was heartbreaking to lose to an in-state rival, a game that they let slip out of their hand. Uh, Now they're on the road for the first time to have to face Marshall. And in case anyone's forgot, it's been 51 years since the airplane crash that killed the Marshall football team on their way back from losing a game to East Carolina. This game was supposed to be the 50th anniversary last year, but it was canceled because of COVID. All I can say is this game matters to Marshall. You are going to get all hands on deck, all focus. They're going to come to play this game as hard as they can.
3: This is quite a program. It seems it's uh, polar opposites, these two programs. East Carolina has been struggling for a long time, and Marshall, new coach, no problem. If it makes you feel any better, Dan, our friend Kenny White in his college football preview power Ratings magazine, he made this spread twenty two and a half.
2: <laughs> well, I feel a little dumb when I, I I bet it at the open when it was minus 10, and now it's you know, that number actually went against me. I think it's down to nine and a half. So maybe everybody knows something that I don't. But uh, to me, situationally, this is just a really big game for Marshall. And I think East Carolina's going to fold under the pressure when they, when, they get into, when they get into West Virginia today. Come on.
4: Well, the next game that's on the card here for you, taking a look at the Memphis Tigers, who have scored 97 points in their two games last week, a 55-50 to game against Arkansas State. So a lot of back and forth in that one, to say the least. Here, Memphis takes on Mississippi State, and Memphis getting three and a half at home. Total of this game, 64, which, you know, Memphis scoring 55 points last week. Maybe that total looks a little bit low to some people out there, but it's the spread that has your interest.
2: That's right. You know, if you wanted to watch some fun football last week, the Memphis Arkansas game was it, Arkansas State. Memphis actually gained 680 yards, but they also gave up 680 yards. Not so great. This team can score. And that quarterback, Seth Hennigan, kind of came out of nowhere. He has been a surprise. He's been lighting it up. Mississippi State, I'd say they shocked North Carolina State last week. They took that opening kickoff for a touchdown. NC State never seemed to recover. Then they lost their two best defenders, Peyton Wilson and Cyrus Fagan, to injury. I think Louisiana Tech gave them all they wanted to handle in week one. And Coach Leach, he doesn't have a good record as a road favorite. I think this game should be a shootout and when you're going to be involved in a shootout, I'd rather be the home dog with three and a half points. How about you guys? Yeah.
4: I mean, I think that, you know, if you've got a game where you're you're kind of looking at this Memphis offense to have some success and, and that's the thing is, you know, at Mississippi state here, Mike Leach's offense has looked very out of sync. And that's exactly what I was going to ask you, Dan, is what do you think of the job that Mike Leach has done down there in Stark Vegas so far?
2: When he went down there, I'm thinking, okay, the air raid's coming. What are we going to get? And the only time, honestly, I feel like we've seen that was, was it week one last year where they, they beat Florida and they blew them out, spread it all out, threw the ball all over the place. That's the only time we've seen sort of that air raid, Mike Leach, you know, Texas Tech, Washington State sort of offense. I think perhaps the personnel that that they have on the team is, He's still not quite worked through that. And perhaps this is also an indictment on his system. It may not be working very well in the SEC. But versus Memphis, it, it should be able to score. I, I think we're in for a great ball game, a lot of back and forth.
3: Dan, you talked about the victory over NC State for Mike Leach and Mississippi State. And and I think it was kind of shocking, too. They really struggled with Louisiana Tech, just barely escaped getting a victory in that game. And then I thought it was pretty impressive for them to come back and beat NC state who had just whooped up on South Florida. But didn't that tell you something about this team? Are you giving them higher grades because what they did to NC state or, or not so much for your power rating?
2: No, I, I, I did like that. I, I thought that was a very good thing for them. Uh, NC state, a lot of people believe that they are one of the best teams in the ACC. And I, I certainly think they were, I, I'm a little bit worried now with some of those injuries on on what's happened with them. Mississippi State, where they sit in their division, I think they're going to make trouble. They're going to to make somebody lose a game. But, you know, do you have them better than Ole Miss? I don't think so. Are are they better than Bannon? Obviously not. Are they better than a and M? I don't think so. I don't think they've improved enough. I like what they did with NC State. I think they're a little bit better than before uh, I
3: had them. All right, Mr. Saley, you enjoy the rest of your Friday night. Thank you so much for coming on. We've got to get out of here. It is the VEASAN Bet Center on the Sports Betting Network.
2: This is Bet Center on VSIN, the sports betting network.
3: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vsin.com to check the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and the bets are moving for every game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public's opinion. Data is available for money line totals and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way that Vsin is here to make you a smarter, better year round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at v Welcome back to the Bet Center. Brady Cannon and Adam Burke with you from the Circa Resort and Casino. Continuing the college football preview talk for Saturday on the college gridiron. And we're going to go to Pullman, Mr. Burke. The Washington State Cougars taking on the USC Trojans. Both teams are at one and one. Of course, USC comes off of that miserable loss to Stanford that led to the firing of their head coach, Clay Helton. Washington State, they dropped their first game to a Mountain West representative, Utah State. The Aggies hanging tough. They got that win in the opener against Washington State. They bounced back with a win in game two. USC is favored on the road here, Adam, by eight. And my question is, and I think this is kind of a handicapping angle that we all face when you have a change of coach, are the kids going to react uh, inspired because they really liked the interim guy and they weren't so thrilled with Helton? Or are they going to be flat because they're disappointed they really liked Helton and now he's gone?
4: Yeah, I think that's the million-dollar question in this game. And and especially, too, when you consider that this has been coming for a long time. I mean, it was one of those situations where any bad loss could have meant the end of Clay Helton. I mean, he had third-degree burns on his backside. That seat has been so hot for so long. So in that respect, as a player, maybe it's a good thing that this is over now. You know, maybe it's, you could just kind of move forward from it because you were always playing, wondering, will this be the week? Will this be the week? I mean, you're USC. You need a premier head coach. Clay Helton was not that guy. This was going to happen at some point. Just so happens after you get waxed by Stanford as a 17-point favorite. As far as this game goes this week, I really don't know what to do from a side standpoint for that reason. I don't know what USC will bring to the table, but this is a situation where I like the under because of weather factors. Mm-hmm. It's going to be rainy and windy in Pullman wind gusts up in the 20 to 25 mile per hour range, you know, a slippery football. And also too, I mean, look, maybe if you're USC, you've had all kinds of stuff going on this week. I mean, how much do you incorporate that's new into the game plan? So maybe a little bit more of a vanilla game plan here for USC On the other hand, possibly Graham Harrell just opens it up and says, you know what, I don't have anyone to answer to anymore, so I'm just going to let Keaton Slovis do his thing. So this may be one that I look for a live opportunity to either middle or maybe get off of my position if need be, but the weather looks pretty bad Saturday afternoon here in Pullman. So under 62.5 is what I'm looking for.
3: What do you think about the coaching situation? Of course, everything came out about Urban Meyer, and I think that's really overblown. Maybe it happens in a few years from now, but I don't think that's going to be anything immediate I asked our own Michael Lombardi earlier this week what he thought about it, and we talked about this guy earlier. He threw out the name James Franklin. You know, James Franklin,
4: I mean, you and I talked about it in the Auburn and the Penn State segment there. I don't think he's a good in-game coach. I think he's a good recruiter. I've heard some some really positive stories about him as a motivator and as a leader of
3: men. He, he appears that, I mean, that comes out just on TV when you're right. watching him. He definitely looks like a motivator.
4: Oh, absolutely. And maybe that's something that this USC program needs. Yeah. You know, maybe they need somebody to kind of change the morale here to go in and you know kind of not only be a good recruiter but also have a really positive vibe around the program I think it's really tough I mean do do they go with a guy like Luke Fickle you know do they get him out of Cincinnati does Luke Fickle's hard nosed kind of brand of football play in the Pac-12 with the four and five star kids out of California that they're trying to get I don't know I don't think Franklin's the best option but it may be the one that makes the most sense for them just because that's kind of been rumored for a while as it is
3: we asked her, or I asked Michael about Chris Peterson. Would he come out of retirement to take the job. And I, I think Chris Peterson is a fantastic coach. I think he was one of the best in the game when he was involved. But I think he may be enjoying retirement.
4: Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, it's it's a tough life. I mean, you know, you think about being an NFL head coach. You've got your 17, 18 weeks. You've got your training camp and all that. And of course, you're part of the process for free agency and everything. In college football, I mean, it's 365 days. It's recruiting. It's... You know, doing all those things behind the scenes being an ambassador for the program going out there shaking hands getting boosters to donate more money stuff like that it's a very hard job and, and i think a guy like peterson probably is enjoying retirement
3: Alright, let's talk about South Bend, Indiana. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish will be hosting the Boilermakers of Purdue on Saturday, and Notre Dame has been a bit of a struggle early on this season. Really had a barn burner there with Florida State. Took that game to overtime. They did get the victory, and then eked out a win over Tulsa as well last week. The defense has given up a lot of big plays. They're giving up 33 and points per game and over 393 yards per game. The offense uh, the offensive line has given up a lot of sacks. It's just not what we're used to seeing out of Brian Kelly's squad. Uh, Purdue is off to a good start, but this will be a big test for them going into South Bend, an in state rival game for Purdue. Notre Dame is currently favored by seven and a half. What are your thoughts here, Adam?
4: Real quick Notre Dame played Toledo last week and, and nearly lost that game. And that's a really concerning thing. I mean, you, know, you talk about the Mac and, and just. It's not a great football conference anymore. I know we had the maxion and all the excitement with that, but none of those teams really have super potent, super efficient offenses. That's a really big concern for Notre Dame. And furthermore, I think it's a pretty big concern that the last two weeks here, this defense with new defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman has just not looked very good. I don't know if his scheme isn't taking hold. I don't know if there's maybe some complicated language in it that the players haven't really capitalized on yet. I don't know but that's a really concerning thing for me with notre dame as we go forward here but the one thing about purdue is they have to move the ball through the air notre dame has struggled to defend the run so far in their first two games of the season purdue cannot run the football so we'll see what that notre dame pass defense looks like here against purdue my number is closer to double digits my number is up in that 10 range so in that respect maybe a little bit of line value on notre dame But with this one still up over a touchdown, it's not one that I can play.
3: I thought that was a really good win for Purdue to open the season over Oregon State. I believe they were favored by seven and a half or eight points in that game. They ended up winning 30 to 21. They cover the number. I thought the Beavers would give Purdue some trouble there. But Purdue really handled that game against a power five team. Now, obviously, they had them at home. But I think that was impressive for this program that has struggled the last couple of years.
4: This is a program that's, that's definitely struggled. You know, I mean, they bring in a guy like Jeff Brom and they sort of expected things to kind of take off there in, in the Big Ten West. And that really hasn't been the case. I mean, you know, they had some, some highlight reel plays from Rondale Moore, but you know, the quarterback carousel has been kind of a concern. And of course, they've had injuries at the quarterback position, too. So this is one where, again, as you said, an in-state type of game for Purdue, a game that's obviously circled for them, even though it's not a conference game. We'll get their best foot forward here. I'm just not sure that'll be enough.
3: All right, let's talk about the Pac-12s UCLA Bruins who have been very impressive to start the season, and they will take on Fresno State out of the Mountain West. The Mountain West has been really impressive early this season as well. UCLA laying 11 points in the Rose Bowl at home, and I think this is an interesting spot for the Bruins, Adam, Obviously, they're coming off of a win over LSU, and if that was going to be the very next week that they were taking on Fresno State or something, you would immediately think letdown spot. But they've had a week removed. They've had a week off. So are they able to avoid the letdown? Now, Fresno State has really had UCLA's number. They've won the last three in a row against the Bruins. But I think the scheduling spot is going to help UCLA maybe avoid that letdown.
4: Yeah, UCLA at Stanford next week. So, you know, not like they've got a premier conference opponent coming up on the horizon, although Stanford, of course, with that big upset win over USC. This is a a really interesting line to me because UCLA, you know, look, I think the narrative is sort of that they're kind of living up now to that Chip Kelly offense. They're sort of living up to this potential that a lot of people thought that they had. And here they are, barely a double-digit favorite against Fresno State. And I think that's kind of a really interesting line, one of the more interesting lines of the week here. And to me, that does suggest that I think Fresno State will be a pretty formidable opponent in this game. Like the Bulldogs are very, very well coached. They've been historically a pretty talented program, a program that has a pretty high bar for success. This is a live betting game to me, though. You know, I want to see how Fresno State matches up if UCLA's increased speed this season is actually going to be a big advantage for them. So I'm not playing anything pregame with this one, but... know does UCLA come out a little bit sleepy do they give up the first touchdown maybe the first 10 points of this game something like that and then all of a sudden I can get them minus three minus three and a half that's kind of the angle that I'm looking for in this one Brady
3: well they were favored over Hawaii who's a decent team I think in the Mountain West as well they were favored over Hawaii by about 17 and a half and obviously just blew the doors off of the Rainbow Warriors so only a six point difference between Hawaii and Fresno State I don't know. I I think maybe that's about right. But UCLA obviously handled uh, Hawaii. Will they do the same to the Bulldogs here? We will see. You're going to be at a game on Saturday night right here in Las Vegas. And uh, we don't think UNLV is going to upset the Cyclones of Iowa State. 32 and a half is the number. Do you have the guts to take the points with the Rebels, though?
4: I don't know. I got to figure out something to play in this game if I'm going to be at it. (laughs) But I can tell you from being on the strip the last few days, it will look like an Iowa State home game. There were a ton of Cyclone fans here starting on Monday, and I'm sure that the number has considerably gone up since then. So not really a big surprise with UNLV, not the great crowd presence, but uh, I'll figure out something with the total. I don't think I can play the side here.
3: The Cyclones coming off of that loss to their in-state rival, the Iowa Hawkeyes. We'll see how they respond over UNLV. We'll come back and talk a little pennant race baseball when we return right here on the VEASAN Bet Center.
0: If you dare.